I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Reproducer. Hello, I'm Jenny Nelson. And I'm Mark James, and welcome to Reproducer. It's a podcast that's all about the media job that can be a bit of a mystery, which is the job of the radio producer. It's something Jenny and I do. We both work together uh, at Scala Radio, the Bauer radio station. And we wanted to start this podcast. It was the the result of wine, which many great podcasts are the result of, uh, because uh, we love what we do, and we wanted to talk to other producers who love what they do too, and also to see, well, maybe whether we could pick some tips up. And not only that, but if people who are aspiring to be radio producers, the radio producers of the future, if they could also pick some tips up and a discussion really about what is radio going to look like or sound like in the future. And our guest this episode, I'm delighted to say, is the brilliant Karen Pearson. I think the competition is fierce. You know, a lot of people are listening to a lot of different things. So to capture their attention, you really got to move people or touch them. I'm more excited about radio than I have, I have been for a long time. So Karen's basically had a dream job, in my opinion, and she'll tell us all about it in this conversation, working with Giles Peterson, uh, working on Red Bull Radio, Roundhouse Radio, working with Jamie Cullum on Radio 2, also Ramesh Ranganathan. And in this conversation, she will tell us how and why she set up her brilliant production company, Folded Wing. She'll talk about juggling production-type roles with managing a company, who her mentors were in her career, what her proudest moment was in her career, what she's listening to right now and advice for aspiring producers. So lots to get stuck into. And we started off by asking Karen about how she got into radio. Reproducer. Reproducer. Yeah, so um, I was lucky enough to get work experience via a long, long journey into into Radio 1, where I got to work on all of the mainstream shows and the specialist shows. And at the time, I didn't really know what independent production was. And I'd, I'd see sort of documentaries that were being produced or obviously Giles Peterson shows, all my dream shows, they'd be well, produced by something else. 
and a job came up um, and they advertised it on the back of Music Week uh, for an assistant producer. And it was scary to think I was at the BBC, you know, to leave and, and go there. I was I was worried. Um, yeah, so it, we might get on to mentors and different people, but um, it was a lady called Lorna Clark that was working at Radio 1 at the time. And I went to her for advice. She was like, leave, go on, you know, that's the best thing that you could possibly do. And yeah, that, that was amazing. I was at something else for seven or eight years, um, mainly working on Giles' show, but his syndicated show, his British Airways show, and helping him set up the Worldwide Awards and all his CDs and all the kind of things that come off the back of, of him as, a, as the radio um, presenter, not his label or anything. And then from that, um, I worked with Benji B. So Benji B was the producer and I was the AP. And Benji had been working with Giles for seven years. And at the time, it felt like the longest time. It's like seven years is such a long time. And I got to seven years and I'm still really enjoying it. But I was like, my God, I'm at seven years. What am I going to do? And I didn't know. I thought the plan was to go back to Radio 1. Maybe Zane Lowe was always a show that I really wanted to work on. But I loved, I really got into the music side of radio. So I, I got into radio because I love music. That's That was my thing. I was never good at playing any instruments. I, I tried a few, a few different instruments. Um, and I thought I'd either want to work in plugging, radio plugging or radio. And I managed for another long journey to get work experience at Virgin. And I did it for, for a couple of months. And I realized that I couldn't really sort of plug and promote the music that I wasn't really genuinely feeling. And I was like, actually, this, this may be a job for me. But I was lucky enough to meet a producer at Radio 1, Simon Willis, um, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. But I met him and then I pestered him for a year and a half for, for work experience there. Um, so, yeah, so sort of the guest, the BBC and the independent side of stuff. At the time when I left Giles, it was 2006. And like I said, I love music. So I was like, shall I be a manager? Shall I, um, you know, what shall I do? You know, what, what could I potentially do? But it was 2006 at a time when internet radio and podcasting was starting. It was like, you know, just starting to come through. Um, and Giles, while I was working with him, really pushed me and nurtured me to DJ more. He's like, come on, you know, play with me at my club night and put on your own club nights and, and do that. And I think it's you know, very much... Know, I looked to Giles for what you should be doing in a scene. You know, it's your, your responsibility if you work in a scene to have your own platforms, to push things, to, to do stuff. And yeah, he, he really caught, sort of instilled that, that, that in me. So I'd been DJing and I'd met a few people at different places. I'd, I'd gone out to Miami Winter Music. I was lucky enough to travel with DJing. And I kept meeting various people that were working at a thing called Red Bull Music Academy, which was kind of a, yeah, a music project that Red Bull did. And then I handed in my notice working with Giles and I had nothing else to go to, which is quite a scary wow. thing to think of. I look back now and I'm like, what was I doing? That's pretty, pretty scary, pretty brave. Um, Giles was like, look, you know, you can still do bits and pieces with me. So I helped with his website and podcast at the time. So there was, right. there was that side of it. But the, literally the day that I, I left, I got a phone call from Red Bull saying, oh, we're thinking about setting up a radio station, you know, into, you know, as a window into everything that we do, come, come to Germany and chat to us. So I did. And that was it. I kind of, I helped them set up the radio station. I went out to Seattle and yeah, was, was there for uh, a number of weeks working with a local station there, setting up the station from scratch. And that was an amazing experience and then continued to work with them for a, a number of years. And at the same time, a lady um, called Gal Galley, who was head of marketing at Radio One, moved over to the Roundhouse in Camden, and they'd they'd just reopened with all the kind of training um, sort of um, rooms around the outside. So oh, there's an empty room, and we're thinking about having it as a training station. And I was like, oh my god, that is so close to my heart because. It was it sounded like it was really easy how I got into radio, but it was far from easy. Lots of letters. I didn't know anyone. So it was, yeah, there was no sort of pathway in. And so I do get really sort of excited when projects come up. So she said, there's an empty space and PRS for music are involved. You know, would you be up for helping? So that's what I did alongside 
Red Bull Music Academy was set up Roundhouse Radio, which is still going going strong now. Um, yeah, and yeah, just setting up everything from scratch, so the tutors and the courses, and you know, really we did a partnership with One Extra around the electric proms that was at the Roundhouse, and yeah, so didn't plan to set up a business at all like, no, absolutely really? no 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 because still at this point I was like, I might go back to radio one you know might might still sort of do that and then like I said podcast just kept going and going and I was getting phone calls from fabric and different sort of various music ninja tune oh you know would you be up for doing a podcast based around this album or that and it was like dream work so and I what, what I kept doing was giving the work to people I knew that were freelancers and I was out um having a coffee with a, a DJ called DJ Zinc a producer who I yeah, he, he works at the Academy. We were catching up and I, got, I remember getting a phone call from Channel 4 saying, oh, would you be up for doing some podcasts for some of our programmes? And I said, no, um, I still haven't got, I haven't got the time, but, you know, speak to this person. I won't mention any names. This person, I put down the phone and, and Zinc went, what are you doing? You say yes, you find the people to do it. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> okay. And then he said, you know, if you want to use my studio, you can do that too. I was like, wow, okay, that was, you know, and it, so if it wasn't for, you know, maybe being with him at that time, I don't think, you know, things like this wouldn't have necessarily happened. So I think it's interesting going from a producer. You know, I, I did study business management and media, so I do like business, but I, it's not it's not a naturally thing, like I'm going to set up a business and do that and I'm going to run all this stuff. It was never that. It was just that I gravitated towards the content that I was passionate about and, you know, w- was lucky enough to do that set the company up in my house because like again I didn't really have 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 any you know any kind of plan as to what I was doing um yeah I called it Karen P Productions because I couldn't think of any other imaginative names and then from from that point on that was it my flatmate moved out he made his bedroom into a studio and then yeah just just Work was just coming, lots of podcasts, lots of branded content. We never did anything for the BBC for the first few years of the company. It was all branded podcasts and, you know, helping festivals and training. And it was Jamie Cullum that kind of pulled us into back into the BBC world. And Stop you... me if I'm rambling on in the story. No, not, not at yeah. all, not at all. But were you producing a lot of, when, when you set up the company, were you trying to... Were you thinking, right, okay, I've got to, I can only spend this amount of time producing or was it concurrently producing and managing and where are you now? You're more overseeing editorial executing? Yeah, it's really, it's a really good question because, I mean, a bit of everything. I mean, my passion is obviously production. And so, you know, the company's now been going for 14 years, maybe even nearly 15, quite a long time. And um you know, all of the projects that we started to do, yes, I either produced or oversaw. So I had some really fantastic freelancers come on board to, to work with me that time. I wasn't employing anyone for the first couple of years of the business. It was various um, freelancers, for, for you know, depending on the projects. Um, and then I guess when you start to do weekly programs, you go, wow. And, and it was it was doing Jamie Cullum's show. So he, he, he when Humphrey Littleton passed away, he got asked to do that slot um, on BBC Radio 2. And we'd met along the way because I'd put him together with um, a band from Japan called Soil and Pimp Sessions at the Electric Proms, all based around the Roundhouse again. So when he got asked to do that show, he was like, I really want Karen to produce it and Folded Wing. And they were like, oh no, we can't work with any more indies. At that time, there wasn't the same system that there is now. And then he just said, well, I just won't do the show. Then I said, no, 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 let's do a pilot. Let's show them what we can do, you know, and and that's what we did. So that was very much hands-on production for me, Um, you know, built around an amazing team of people that that helped support me 
it's been in the last two years that I've stepped away from hands-on production as much as I was because you know there's only only so much that you can do I'll, I'll stand in and exec when other people are away or produce you know it's just it's I've always been very very hands-on and I think if I wasn't working on any production I don't think I'd be very happy <laughs> I think if it was just the business side I'd just be like oh no you know because I've got a very creative brain um yeah and that that definitely needs to be satisfied but I know I haven't got all the hours in the world and also I've got an amazing team of people and it, you know and I've, I've learned in the last couple of years to let go a little more and just let them you know do what they want to do with the shows rather than me going okay this is it you know you know because then it's too much you know you, you can't grow that way and I think that's definitely what I've got got my head around I always find it strange that the typical trajectory in radio is production and then the, yeah the typical kind of arc is to then go into management and to stop doing what you might have been really good at and what you might have got into radio for doing in the first place so how lovely to be able to have the management side of things but to keep you know being in the studio and keep working and making things definitely well. I, re I really um found it hard during covid to not be in the studio you know we just got the my our studio we were in the premises in in hackney and we just got the studio just as we wanted it all visualized and you know all like literally how i wanted it and also just you know being in the bbc studios or commercial studios or you know that 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 side of stuff yeah i miss it i miss the buzz from working with the presenter that's what i love more than anything is that buzz being in a studio and the connection you have with the presenter, you know, mm. to, to, to make magic happen. That's, that's the bit that I, I definitely love the most. And as radio changes and, you know, this it's audio and there's podcasts and there's lots of things. It's just that warmth with a presenter. It goes back to my time with John Peel and like listening to him under the bedsheets and just feeling that kind of connection of just, you know, growing up in South End and not really having, you know, I didn't have any brothers and sisters. I had really amazing friends that were into various genres of music, but actually, yeah, listening to him under the bedsheets and him taking me through different genres and the kind of quirkiness of it. I think yeah, that's the, the magic that you miss if you're not in the studio. And yeah, and also it's, I think it's important to stay hands on as well, because, you know, to manage a team, you know, to be across stuff. Yeah. Ask me in five years, though, when I'm managing a team of 70, I'm like, I haven't got enough time. <laughs> I haven't been in a studio for the last couple of years. So what is your, I mean, you've done so much and achieved so much, but what is your, have you got a proudest moment? I think it's definitely my proudest moment. It's Jamie Cullum's show because, uh, you know, because we started that from scratch. It didn't exist. And, you know, to be on Radio 2 at 7 o'clock, you know, on a, on a Tuesday night, obviously it's not you know they've changed the schedules and the genre shows have, have gone slightly later over the years you know to keep that going that's been on air now god 12 years so, so you know a, a long long time developing jamie as a presenter being able to do that and winning sony awards and aria awards and new york radio awards you know getting getting the recognition for that as well and really i think i think we really have sort of made a little kind of format of how the genre shows could work on radio too so you know making jazz accessible to people that wouldn't normally you know listen to it when we, we we get big names on there so first couple of years we had Kate Bush and Clint Eastwood so people that you wouldn't normally expect to be into jazz you know on the show and I think that format you know has because you know, you've got to look at the radio to audience and Jamie's warmth within that I, I think the three things I'm most proudest of is that I guess Roundhouse Radio, because, you know, that has really given an opportunity to presenters and producers who now are kind of scattered throughout the whole industry, you know, from commercial radio to BBC to music. Uh, that's definitely one. 
And then getting hip hop on Radio 2 with Ramesh Ranganathan's show. That's, yeah, kind of, that's been a long time of me going, hip hop on Radio 2, hip hop on Radio 2. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's, yeah, I think they're the, they're the three or four things. Who were those... If you think about your job as a producer, who were the people who inspired you? I know you talked about Lorna and you talked about Giles, but they're, I suppose, you know, to to get you on the track. Who are the people who actually mentored you and inspired you as a producer? Yeah, there's a, there's a few people along the way. I was I've been so lucky um, in my career with the people that I've met along the way and the people that they give you the time. Um, I think the, the first I'm just going to I'm just going to do it chronologically through. And I think one of the first people is Joe Wiley. So Joe Wiley, I always like I've talked to a lot about John Peel, but actually for me as 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 a producer, listening to Joe Wiley and the warmth that she brings and kind of her connection with guests and, and the kind of the fact that she'd done the mainstream in the evening session, that was amazing. And I got to work with her. So I was a production, a broadcast assistant on her show for a, for a period of time because I was a freelance production assistant. So I got to work across all the shows. And, and that was at a time when actually the job job for Giles's show came up, but there was also a job for her for working sort of on her production team for her TV show that she used to do. And I was going and ahhing and um and ahhing about what to do. And she just gave me some really great advice. And you know, she's a busy lady with lots of things. She's always got time for everyone and a warmth. Um, and that translates on the radio. So her as a presenter and how she, yeah, has, has kind of moved through definitely. Lorna, I spoke about just her honesty and her energy throughout everything and, and like I said I was I'm scared to leave and she was like look you know you've got to go out leave the BBC get as much experience as you can you can always come back again you're coming at a higher level and I and I totally got that and I remember she'd kind of used some people that had stayed she'd use me as a bit of an, an example as well come on you know Karen's done it it's you know it's not a scary thing to do and she's still there now like if I you know if I come to a crossroads in anything I know that I can go to which is you know look, look at her now she's head of Head of, she's recently it's head of music for the BBC. It's not just pop music. I think it's now music. So, and it's so so well deserved because the nurturing of the team and the belief that she has with people in amongst many many other talents. Um, I spoke about DJ Zinc. I had um, very very early on. I had a mentor who kind of maybe didn't. I don't know how to describe it, but it maybe didn't have the best intentions at the time. And I kind of got myself into a bit of a business situation. And I got introduced to a lady called Helen Searle, who is an amazing music lawyer. And she kind of helped me kind of see some various things and helped me through the situation I was in. That was very, very early on. And she continues to be our lawyer today. She's fantastic. She's a business-minded lawyer, but just very... Um, yeah, very human again and warm. There's 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 definitely a thread through the through the through the people that I work with. But yeah, she 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 she's she's phenomenal. In many hours on the phone, going, "Hang on, what am I doing? Ah, come on, you can do this. It's going to be okay." You know, because running a business by yourself is pretty tough. I don't I mean I don't know. Yes, I, I I look at people that have business partners, and I'm like, damn it, I wish I'd you know that would be that would be an amazing thing to do. And I guess that's what I'm you know tr you know trying to do now by by, by growing the business. Um, so Helen's definitely one of them. And I mentioned DJ Zinc before. And I think I think for me, it's that thing of having a love for music and radio. The people along my journey are half music people and half radio people. Um, they're, they're, you know, de definitely there. I, I love Bob Shannon as well. I really have a lot of a lot of time for Bob. He, again, is somebody that I've gone to over the years for different advice. He really believed in us. He, he was head of Radio 2 when we started Jamie's show. And he really kind of was like, look, I'm going to leave you to do what, what you guys are good at doing. 
when we did Gloria Stefan's Latin program and different things like that. And again, he's good, good for a bigger picture kind of conversation. So I guess there's, there's more BBC people in my life than sort of commercial people that I go to for advice, but I guess that's the sort of pathway, you know, that I've, that I've gone into. Reproducer. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I think one of the things that we're hoping for this um, podcast is that anyone who wants to come into the radio industry will have somewhere to at least find out how other people did it, which is one of the reasons we're talking to you about it. And um, part of that is the lessons that you learn along the way. So have you got an example of an important lesson that you learned along the way that you think would be useful for other people to know? Well, I, I touched upon it earlier when I, when I, was, when I spoke about Helen Searle, and I think... It's a hard lesson because I am, well, you can't just sit here and say I'm a nice person, but, but, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, I try to treat people with respect and you think that other people would do the same, not always. And I think my la- hardest learning lesson that I had very early on, like I mentioned, was a mentor that, that oversteps the mark when they maybe kind of shouldn't. And, you know, that was a learning lesson. If, if it happened now, I could, I could see it, but at the time I couldn't. Um, and, I, and I still, still, I still struggle now. I still think that people, you know, will treat you as you're going to treat them, but that's not always the case. Other people sometimes have different agendas. You know, it's, you know, we work in media. There's a lot of passionate people, but sometimes some people that have different agendas or they're kind of so hungry to get to where they want to, they'd sort of step all over things. And I think I can start to see that now. So I think that kind of that passion and that kind of warmth is like, Oh, brilliant. But it's not always, always the same. So it's just kind of going into things a bit more with my eyes wide open and also listening to my gut a little bit more because I do get overexcited because I am passionate. So I'm like, right. Okay. This could be a brilliant project. And also taking on too much stuff because I do get excited. I go, right. Okay. I can do X, Y, Z, but actually to do stuff properly, it's to do, you know, the, the, the individual projects. That's an interesting one. How do you manage that? Because taking on too much stuff when you're, it's a really good one for a producer and who loves radio, then I do exactly the same. You just kind of go, oh, this is everything's so exciting. I want to do all of that. So yeah. what, what, what system do you use now to kind of go, well, hang on a minute. I've got a ch- what checksum is there? Well, I've got a check. I mean, as a business, we don't have, well, this is our mission statement, but what, what I've kind of worked towards in the last kind of few years, definitely in the last eight years is, are we passionate about it? And can we make a difference in what we're going to take on? And so that has really helped me and and not just for me, but okay, it could be like a sports podcast. So I'm not a massive sports fan, but is there somebody in the company that's so passionate about it? They're going to smash it, but they can actually make a difference with this. So if it's something that didn't exist before, but if if you're going to pitch for something, you know, can we make it, you know, any, any better? And I think that's, 
that's something that's really helped me kind of go, okay, you know, okay, is that that, that side of it? And also, um, working with nice people like it took, it took, there's been three four times in the company where I've gone I'm not really quite happy now like we're doing a lot of stuff but I'm not happy like this person's energy sucked the life out of me for various reasons you know because you know unfortunately sometimes when you work on the branded stuff there's a few agencies and there's a lot of layers and by the time you've done it you're like that isn't what what was actually going to make good radio or good podcasts that's actually rubbish so I do a bit of culling I go what's not what's not making which is maybe not the best business thing to do but I just sort of go look maybe we've come to the end of the road and you know there's I haven't done it for a long time because I think standing by what you believe in you know or 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 my learning of people you know Mm -hmm. we don't get into those situations as much much anymore so it's just being realistic I think if something's taking up too much energy and too much time you could be doing something you really love so don't you know I know I know it's tough especially right now there's a there's a balance between it but um yeah I don't know if that answers the question but no it it does sit down now with your younger self then so what 14 15 years you've been running this company yeah. you've got one piece of advice that you could give to your younger self starting out run that company what's it going to be i think it's to follow your passion and and really really believe in it and stand firm with it because i think one of my biggest regrets in the whole time through the company 2006 start of podcast we are the first branded content company in the uk or you know potentially even in europe and the technology hadn't quite matched up to the podcast. So the listening figures weren't quite there. And so we diversified into lots of different stuff. And I didn't maybe focus on the podcast side as much as I possibly could. And I think that was what I was passionate about. And I was like, you know, really vocal. This is like the kind of next best thing. But I was, you know, I was sort of weighed down by people going, oh, no, no, podcast, whatever, 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 whatever. You know, carry on doing this. And I don't regret anything because we're, we're obviously doing some fantastic stuff and we still do podcasts. But I look now and I'm like, if I'd held firm in that sort of side of stuff then I would have been able to grow that side and another side and I think it's to not be scared of making you know decisions like that you know because sometimes yeah. I can be a bit safe and I think I think yeah a lot of us who've done it for a while that would always come back to be brave you know be brave because ultimately mm. your gut is quite a good guide yes I mean, I'm fascinated to fascinated to learn what how would you define the role of a producer because it's quite a multifaceted role it, and it's it, it's a strange one to actually try and dig into what what does a producer do it is and I've been doing a lot of thinking about it lately you know I've worked with a lot of people and some skills are brilliant at the technical side or you know brilliant at the people skills and sometimes having two is difficult I think what, what we set out to do at the Roundhouse Radio was a lot of people are like I just want to be a presenter that's what I really want to do so what we set out to do was to show the different roles and the different kind of bringing in different producers or sound designers or engineers you know to, to, to see all the different sides of, of a producer but for me, I guess, you know, I'm not even going to think of a job description. I'm just going to think of the kind of the qualities that I I believe make a good producer. And I think team, like being part of the team is a massive one. You know, there's a lot of freelancers that I work with that are amazing, but they can be like lone wolves. They're like, okay, I just do that. But actually when you can't become part of a team and quite a big production, when there's an editor, an exec producer, a head of production, you know, there's a production assistant and a AP, you know, there's all these things to manage, you know, it's, it's, it's people skills, it's management, it's, you know, all of that side of it and, and being super, super flexible within it. 
I think another really important quality is to listen. Like there's, 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 you know, I think even, you know, when you're, when producers are recording interviews, actually listening to what, what the interviewee is saying, adapting it accordingly, and then getting out of the bubble of what you make and listening to other types of content. You know, I think it's very easy if you're just making a certain type of music show to go, oh, I'm listening to all the hip hop and all this, all the hip hop shows, but actually are you listening to, you know, some different speech-based programs or, you know, d- doing that. And it's, I think, the producers that I work with that are really kind of inspiring are listening to lots of different things and they're bringing in influence from the different things they're listening to. Um, so the listening side of stuff, um, oh my God, I mean, even more so it's, it's skills in every area and you've really got to have a marketing brain. It's not just thinking about content. It's actually thinking about where is this going to sit and how are we going to get listeners to it? Cause is there any point in making it? So it's, you know, all the social assets and you know being able to make little video clips it's you know it's everything that being said I do think it's the most amazing time to be a producer because there's so much content out there there's not enough producers I really don't think there is you know I do think there's a room you know for more producers there's lots more content so I think there's there is yeah it, it is a really exciting time yeah listening being part of the team um, being flexible, um, you really, really do have to work hard. You know, there's no denying it. You can't just walk in and go, ah, that's it, whatever. You know, I've got this weekly program. You really do. You know, it is the hours. It's not a nine to five job. You know, sometimes there's weekends, sometimes there's evenings, sometimes there's overnights. And it's, you know, it being that, being super creative and thinking about other platforms because, yeah, like I said, it is, you know, radio is not a linear listen anymore. So it's, you know, how, how I'll go back to my Giles Peterson days, you know, you've got his radio one show, but you've got the syndicated show, the British Airways show, then club nights. And, that, you know, it's, 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 it's the full package. And I think as a producer, you really have to think of the full package and also really keep thinking about the audience. You know, I think that is, you know, what makes a good producer is constantly thinking, who are we making this program for? And questioning it and going, do they really want, going to want to listen to this 12-minute jazz track, you know, at this time of night? I'm not, don't, you know, they are, but how are we going to package it up to, to that audience? And it's constantly sort of thinking about that and, you know, and bringing in new audiences and how that's going to happen and, you know, and taking feedback. It's a massive one. You know, you've got to be able to take feedback. In a number of producers I've worked with, they're so protective. They're like, oh, you know, but that's how I think I should make it. And it's like, okay, we're working as a team. Let's, you know, take on board that feedback. And it's not a negative. It's, you know, to help shape the show and just being open to want to learn. And, and you've really got to manage yourself. You know, it is, you know, you've got to manage a team, you, you, you know, potentially, or, and also manage yourself manage your time and what the priorities are to get everything done. Um, when there's so many moving parts, when you've got a presenter who changing times and doing whatever, you know, moving all the pieces. And I think, um, yeah. And, and being able to have a relationship with a, with a presenter, which is a professional one. So trying to, you know, helping them you know, a few times, sometimes if they've overstepped the mark and then they can't then, sort of produce them, you know, so it's keeping that professional boundary is really important. You know, it's really nice to hang out with your presenters and do whatever, but it's, it's keeping that balance. Uh, maybe I'm making radio sound really boring, but I think it, it's, it's no, not at all. It but you're showing like all the all the different strengths that are required. Yeah. You mentioned how listening is really important, which is so true. It seems such an obvious thing, but so true. And so what programs or podcasts at the moment, like, have there been any recently that you thought, oh my God, that is amazing or that's refreshing yeah I listen the thing is is that I don't listen to a huge amount of 
music podcasts, but the music podcast that I do really love is um, Jamie Liddell's Hanging Out with Audio Files. I really love it. I mean, we I should say that we helped him very, very, very early on years ago, help him set out, but we don't do anything with it now. But what I love is this the refreshingness of him going, right, I'm going to fund this myself and I'm going to get a different sound company each episode. I'm going to get them, you know, to, to pay a little money, bits of money towards it. And just the craft of it. I am a sucker for really beautiful, you know, crafted things. And that's why things like 99% Invisible and things like that, you know, when they've really gone to town on, on, on the sound of it. Um, I love... I do listen to a lot of Radio 2 and a lot of Radio 1 stuff. Um, I still listen to a lot of Joe Wiley, still a big fan of her and, you know, the sofa sessions that she does. You also mentioned talent management. Yes. Well, there are obviously core rules as in, you know, don't be a dick kind of thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, what what would you, as an advice for people working with big name talent or not necessarily big name, but still how to forge a good presenter-producer relationship? Now, we spoke a little bit before about the boundary, you know, the boundary of, um, you know, communicating together and, and, and what, you know, how often and when and the, the flexibility. Um, you've, you've really got to be, as a producer, you've really got to be aware of how, how little time a presenter has and to work and adapt with them. It takes time when you start working with a new presenter, especially if it's new for them as well. It takes time to work out what supports them the most, like what's going to be the best for the scripting? Do they want bullet points? Do they want it written out word for word? Do they, you know, what, what, what support do they need? And sometimes they don't know themselves. You've got to, you know, try and give them those elements, you know, and also being realistic about, you know, if they've got a list of people they want to have, you know, on the show, what your role is and at what point does the presenter pass you over or what are they comfortable in doing when it's a music program? Um, you know, how, how much, input does the presenter want in you passing the music and having that I think it's a real kind of awareness of reading the room you know I think it's really important like sometimes like when I've been working with presenters you know they've they've done their link they go into a track and they sometimes just want to be in the music they don't necessarily want to have a chat so it's like reading that as a producer and go right so I'm not going to chat so I'm just going to let them get into the vibe you know and then other times where you think oh they want to chat actually using that as an opportunity to go oh I've got a list of of uh, potential people to, to interview you know and it's just read you know being able to read that you know and yeah it, I think that's that, that that's definitely an important one you've got to be really strong I was working with the presenter really really early on and he talked to me like at absolute rubbish in front of lots of people um and and it took me a lot to kind of sit him down and say look I'm you know I'm sorry I did that with the jingles I'm sure sorry I didn't put them in the, on the right place in the cart wall but next time please can you, we just talk about it not in front of people you know and I think that takes a lot you know when you're working with big personalities and big talent you know you've got to stick up for yourself and I think you've really got to do that and if maybe if I hadn't have done that then they would have continued and then it would have kind of, you know, it's just, it's just like relationships in life, isn't it? It's just the same, you know, it's just, you know, any working relationship and it's trying to inspire the presenter, giving them the bits that they need, you know, to feel like they've got the material they need to present what they want to do. You know, that's, you know, that's it. Sometimes you do feel like a babysitter. Sometimes you feel like a manager. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of it, but I think keeping the boundaries and, and being as honest as you can is really, really important. You, by your own admission, uh, obviously badgered really hard to get into Radio 1, and yeah. and good on you, and that's absolutely right, and and that was the way that I did it as well, uh, to get into my career start, just don't take no for an answer. Um, so someone listening to this going, right, okay, I've been convinced now, by Karen, I want to do this, this is absolutely fantastic, but I don't know where to start. 
so nurturing new talent what's what's your advice for them yeah i think for, this is the same advice that i give to presenters and to producers and i'll say like if you really yeah what is your dream you know what are your dream programs that you really want to work on and then do your research find the people that work on those programs and reach out to them send them an email like literally you know not be really cocky and oh, I do this, this and this to your program, but, but a genuine fan. I really loved your Jamie Cullum show when um, you had Clint Eastwood on and God, the way that that edit went into that song, or just a little moment that shows that you really do care about the program you've been listening and something like, you know, I do want to get more into radio. I'd love a little bit of advice, but I've also got some potential ideas for the program. You know, would you like to kind of meet? I, you know, I get a lot of emails all of the time, but if someone's quite proactive to go, Oh, actually I've got ideas or something like that, or, you know, I, I would be up for meeting them. Maybe that's not the norm, but I, you know, or, 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 or one of one of my team to be able to do that and I think coming with the passion that you really do care is is really important and then getting on the you know I think Jenny you even did that with us years ago right I think you yeah, wanted to yeah. just yeah and it's it's like you are busy and sometimes you miss those emails and we're going back years and years but if that person then comes back to you again then you do it obviously COVID times it's slightly different but really trying to find where people may be and and not being worried to go up to them I, I remember really early on I went to a a conference about sound and Martin Ware from Heaven 17 was there and he was doing a lot of 3D sound stuff and I really enjoyed his talk so I went up to Martin and I was really really enjoyed it and he said well why don't you, if you want to come to my studio and I'll show you this and that was it and that was the start of a sort of working relationship you know that, that that's kind of carried on for years as well that way so I think sort of finding out where people are going to be and you're looking at the radio festival and the radio academy and audio uk i'm on the board of audio uk and there's training and events and you know there's people that work all across the indie sector really amazing people that you know you can meet along at the events and i think put in then you can put a face to a name so even if you've emailed them you can say oh i've emailed you hello and then when you email again they'll be like oh, okay i remember i do remember that person that does really 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 help but i think coming with passion and coming with thoughts for what you you know so i think finding your sort of four things that would be your dream things to work on and just yeah like you say mark just no not taking no for an answer <laughs> um you know there's a lot of opportunities out there when we, we set up a new one tomorrow's warriors around Jamie's show and the jazz output we do. And I think a lot of people are doing that. So really looking for the training opportunities that are there, that are then sort of the people that are doing the training actually working in the industry. I mean, it's amazing. There was nothing, nothing like that when I was wanting to get through, you know, all these free kind of training sessions on Zoom and stuff like that. You know, that's, that's a really amazing way to connect, especially if you're living, you know, in Scotland and it's hard to get down or, you know, anywhere in the UK. And that can be disheartening. I know I grew up in Southend and it is close to London. I was lucky. I think if I was further away, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. You can't, you know, keep getting the train down. And so I think now is a really amazing time to, I think the radio industry has got to open up and will open up to people geographically more. Thinking about radio specifically, and you touched on it a, a few times, what, what radio is going to have to do in the future. So mm. what do you think the industry is, what state is it in now and where do you see it going in the future? What's your, do, you feel, do you feel confident for its future? I feel really confident for audio's future and I do feel really confident confident to radio because I feel like radio's the personal connection it has with people and it's and how it touches their lives whether they're in the car or cooking dinner that for me you can't replicate anywhere so I that is an amazing thing but 
to find those people is getting harder and harder and harder. So going back to you know the skills of a producer, it is not a linear listen anymore. You have to think outside of the box of yourself as a brand, you know, thinking of new formats, new new ways of doing everything. And I think the competition is fierce. You know, a lot of people are listening to a lot of different things. So to capture their attention, you really got to move people or touch them, or you know, there's, there's what is your USP and really kind of focused on that. And and the same the same with staff. I mean, I. I because there is a lot of content out there, like from a production side, I think it's a really amazing time to, you know, I think there's more opportunities now than there ever has been before. But I worry sometimes still the same type of people come through radio and it is a bit of a frustration for me. And that's why Roundhouse Radio and the thing, there's been a training element of everything that we've done as part of the company because I do think that there's still quite a lot of work to be done, you know, because of, yeah, kind of who you know a little bit and, you know, this whole, you know, having to come to London, yeah, but things are changing. And I do think, but I just think the industry still has to do more to change up the social economic and the diversity side of, of the industry. And there is talk about it, but I think people have got to follow through more with it, you know, but I, I, can, I can see it changing. And that's what really excites yeah. me. The diverse voices on the radio, the diverse people behind the microphones, you know, making the content then it gets really sort of exciting. So I'm I'm like, I'm more excited about radio than I have, I have been for a long time because of the kind of the changes and the sort of shifts geographically and partnerships. People seem a bit more up for going, oh, let's make projects bigger, you know, and because because of Zoom and, and you know, being able to have online meetings and connect with people, you know, I have to keep going into London to have a day of meetings. We, you know, we can do things without that travel time. It sounds like you've worked with everyone that you've ever wanted to work with. <laughs> However, I'm willing to bet that there's someone that you haven't worked with who you think, I wish I could have, insert name here. Who would that be? Oh, there's two things that I've always wanted to do was, I used to love Chris Morris's Blue Jam on Radio 1. And I'm not saying, oh, I definitely want to work with Chris Morris, but that idea of doing something so abstract and so beautifully crafted and random kind of you know on a network would just be amazing whether that's one person curating it a Chris Morris style person or or somebody else that would be a dream style project for me to do that's something that I've always wanted to do and I guess I have worked with Kate Bush in, in the fact that she came on Jamie's show but getting someone like Kate Bush to do a radio show or do something you know someone who's yeah. never done something like that you know that 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 would kind of drive me I guess my my dream was Gloria Estefan and I, I did actually get to do that for radio too but yeah I think getting Kate Bush to do something that she hasn't done before you know bringing her back to the BBC or doing something like that would be phenomenal and then uh, we just uh, we've got a couple of things actually what again we, we had some ideas about what uh, how we might phrase this but um, we've got a couple of ideas the moment in your career that best fits into this and the first one is OMG Oh, you know what? The moment in my career was actually when Jamie Cullum called me up and said, you know, would you, you know, I really want you and Folded Wing to, to produce my radio show. That does sound quite cool. Yeah, because that, <laughs> I, and I remember where I was. I was, I was in a safe shop, like a safe security shop, because where the office, where my, it, the house was in my office, um, they'd knocked down a wall and it, like, we were really exposed. And I was like, oh my God, all my laptops and everything. So I remember being in a quite a low moment of being in a safe <laughs> shop going, oh God, this is it. And yeah, and then, and then to get that call, I think- Then um, Jamie Cullen phones you in a slightly surreal moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely an OMG moment. So what about an FFS moment? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. 
that's a good one. Oh, I'm just trying to think. Hmm. But I think connected to Jamie as well. I think we, I think it was show four or something like that. Do you remember the ash cloud that happened? Yes, yeah. yes I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so was... couldn't, couldn't take off and all that sort of thing. Exactly. So Jamie was stranded in Australia oh. and we couldn't, we couldn't get him back to, to do the show. So it was like, oh my God. And so we, we, yeah, but we, we got him into a studio in Australia and, and yeah, went to a six music studio and, and, and produced it that way. So I think, yeah, I think the ash cloud just, yeah, something, something as random as that is just, um, that stops you from making radio is, um, yeah. <laughs> Random. And, and that, that's another good example, as you mentioned earlier on, about how uh, if anyone wants to come into the industry, uh, it's not nine to five, it's working hard. So he was in Australia, you were in the UK. <laughs> that's four o'clock in the morning, I uh, guess. Four o'clock in yeah. the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an FFS moment. You can have that one. That's good. Exactly. But I was still smiling, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us, Karen. It's been a real joy. Thank you. And it's just been great to learn about. Well, your career and your advice for fellow producers, current ones and aspiring ones, because as you say, there's always so much more to keep learning, isn't there? Yeah, no, thank you for inviting me. It's really a good time to do a podcast like this, really is. Reproducer. Lovely to have a bit of time chatting to Karen Pearson. And we spoke to her a good few months ago, actually. Since then, in September, she was awarded a fellowship uh, at the Radio Academy at the festival. And I genuinely can't think of a better person to receive it because, I mean, that the passion that she still has for radio is just amazing. What did you make of that? Uh, exactly that, yeah. Great passion. And uh, really interesting for her to say because sometimes we can... Jenny and I have done radio for a long time, and so it, you can look at it as perhaps a bit of a shrinking industry because there's been consolidation and you know, aren't so many radio stations around you know, regionally to go and work at. But actually, uh, Karen's point was a really good one in that more content is needed now than ever before. Mm. The amount of platforms, the amount of different mediums there are. So uh, a great time for producers as opposed to you can look at it the other way and go, oh, there's, there's no jobs about. If you've got the ideas, there are going to be people who want to talk with you. Yes, and if you enjoyed that, do check out our other conversations with producers, exec producers, former producers from across the BBC and commercial networks, mainly music networks, but who knows whether we'll get some speech networks down the line. Of course, if you would like to hear more, please click subscribe to make sure you get new episodes as we drop them. And thank you once again for listening. Reproducer. Reproducer. <laughs> Manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.